You're listening to Crafting Cannabis with your hosts, Early Bird Auto Grows, Blackwater Grows, and Rooter Allister. All right, and welcome. We're back. We are back. We, uh, we got an awesome guest. His name is uh, David, and he is the inventor and the owner and operator of Canatrol. And founder. And founder. Yeah. <laughs> Last but not least. Yeah. David, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, so we uh, we talk about Canatrol quite a bit, and uh, <clears throat> of course, it's discussed in the community. And we're mostly home growers of varying budget levels, you know. And so, oftentimes, uh, the Canatrol is a little bit out of our reach. But we all were really interested in the uh, technology, and it's definitely a thing where. You see home growers now saving up to get a freeze dryer to make hash or saving, you know, to get this more substantial equipment, bring that quality into their home system. So sure. um, I guess I didn't mean to lead right off with that, but I did anyway. So <laughs> but, uh, um, where do you guys see your technology fitting in with uh, with a small scale grow? Well, we have a lot of home scale growers who are using them and mm-hmm. uh, have bought multiple units because it has changed the outcome of the dry cure. Uh, they get some of the most amazing results and it eliminates the seasonal challenges and issues. You run into a couple of rainy days during the dry cure or the weather changes. And after you had spent all that time growing some amazing genetics mm. and lighting and nutrients, and then it can all go bad in a couple of days during the dry cure. So this gives everyone a tool to get repeatable, consistent results and have a place to store the flower in amazing conditions to cure. Um, Up until now, you really didn't have the ability uh, to create the perfect conditions for curing. And so now we're starting to see people with uh, various genetics uh, learn how different strains, different cultivars um, cure and age differently. So now you can start thinking of it like wine and cheese. And, uh, you know, we've seen it where one particular strain, we ran a jelly bean and an Acapulco gold side by side. And the uh, jelly bean, as always, eight days out of the box was amazing and a favorite. Um, but the uh, Acapulco gold wasn't smoking so good. It was harsh. Uh, it wasn't very rounded. And we left it for 30 days. And after 30 days, it became the new favorite. It behaved very much like a young wine that was a little wild on the edges and harsh and then mellowed out after time. So we're definitely seeing different cultivars um, uh, aging or curing differently, but now you have consistent results where up until now it was putting it in a jar or putting it in a bag and you really don't know what the conditions are. You could put a salt pack, a desiccant pack in there Um, But that has limited capacity to take on water or give off water. And that's basically the physics behind them, where we're actively maintaining the vapor pressure um, in the space so that the uh, flower stays at equilibrium as far as uh, water content. Nice. Yeah, um, that's great. I mean, so definitely when we talk about Canatrol, we all say we want one. (laughs) That's for sure. Of course. (laughs) We know it's an elite technology. And uh, 
<clears throat> it's that's really cool to hear that you say about like the different uh timing for different strains it makes total sense it's an organic material it's going to have a unique way that it cures and decomposes between all the different cultivars so that's really cool that you could like sort of dial that in and know that the strain you're working on has this best time window and then even communicating that to other people that you might be you know sending seeds to or other people that have the same cultivar sure. uh, yeah absolutely that's really cool so what's maybe, the uh, oh go what's ahead the, what's the average dry time okay so let, let's talk about a little bit about the physics and what uh has been done legacy up until now, until yeah. this technology was dry, then cure. So if you took a fresh cut flower, you couldn't smoke it. It's too wet. It's got too much water in it. And if you stored it, it's going to go moldy. And the reason is there's what's called free available water. And free available water is measured with water activity. And a lot of people who've worked at large facilities and have seen lab reports, they might see a water activity value or an AW. And water activity is used food industry, the pharmaceutical industry, even museums use water activity. And once you get below a 0.65 to a 0.6 water activity, mold can't grow. You have a shelf stable product. So what are you after when you're drying a cannabis flower? The first thing you want is shelf stability. You want to get the free available water out of the flower. As long as there's free available water, there's water from mold and microbes to grow on. But once you hit that 0.6 target, there's no longer enough free available water for molds or microbes, and you have a shelf stable product. At that point, there really is no reason to remove any additional water particularly if you're selling a product by weight, because then every molecule of water you remove, you're removing weight off a scale. But for home use, um, that's not as important. But by retaining the balanced water, you're really retaining a quality product. And uh, a flower that is dried and held at a 0.6 water activity is a sticky, supple flower. That flower, if you put on the table and put your palm down on it and lift it, it sticks to your hands. And when you maintain it at those conditions, a month, two months later, it's still sticky and supple. You don't wow. get shake off it. It doesn't dry out. So what's happened legacy? You would first hang the flower somewhere to dry it because you had to get rid of this free available water. Well, you can hang it outside. Or you can have put it in a room with an air conditioner. You can put it in a room with a dehumidifier. And all of these spaces, um, the equipment or outdoors is constantly removing water from the flower. I mean, that's what a, a dehumidifier is rated at, how many pints per day of water it could remove. And it just keeps chugging along, pulling water out. Same thing in air conditioner. So at some point after you're drying the flower, you got to say, hey, it's dry enough. I need to arrest this drying or we're going to overdry it. And you got to take it from the drying space and then seal it in something so it doesn't continue to dry out. And you put it in a jar, you put it in a container and you seal it because you don't want to lose any more water from that flower or it's going to overdry. But when you put that flower in a container, there was somewhat guesswork as to when you pull the flower into that space. Was it too dry already or was it not dry enough? 
Well, if it was too dry, you can leave it in that container and nothing's going to happen with it. It's already lost its free available water. But if you put it in that container and it hasn't properly dried, meaning there's still free available water, you will get mold in that container because there's water for the mold and microbes to grow on. But that point people say, oh, well, we burp the jar. Well, burping the jar, let's say in the North of New England, the Midwest in January is very different than burping a jar in Florida in August. And not a lot of thought is given to that. It's just, no, we got to let the air out of the wet air out of the jar. Well, potentially in the summer in Florida, the air is going wetter into the jar than it's coming out of the jar. So again, there's not a whole lot of science there. But those are the steps that are done, drying, then curing. We solve that by taking the flour, letting the free available water come out, and coming to equilibrium with the space when you're at a 0.6 water activity. And now it's at equilibrium, it stays, it doesn't overdry, and it's just curing. So that's the transition we've made from how legacy drying, dry then cure is done to a continuum of dry and cure. So does, does the Canatrol can that detect the water activity and it knows when it's done or is it still, is there like another tool that you have to use to measure that if you wanted to? Okay. So that's a great question. Great question. So what we're doing is the getting to that water activity is based on vapor pressure. Okay. And vapor pressure is a measurement that you can also call dew point. And it's the amount of water or water vapor in a space. So if you have a box and you know what the dew point is, you know what the vapor pressure is. And if you put something in there like a wet flower, it's going to try and come to equilibrium with that space. So the free available water is going to come off that flower. And then when it's equal with the box in that space, that's it. It's stable. It's not going to gain any more moisture. It's not going to lose any more moisture. That's why it doesn't overdry. Uh, something that's equal to this is if anyone's cooked sous vide. Uh, sous vide is where you put a protein, a piece of meat or a piece of fish in a bag and you vacuum seal it and then you place it in a tub of hot water. So if you like your steak cooked to 160 degrees as the temperature, you would put that piece of meat in the bag, in the tank with 160 degrees stirred water. And at some point, the meat comes to that 120 degrees. It's perfectly cooked. You can leave it in there four or five hours. It's not going to overcook. It just stays there perfectly. That's the secret at big banquets when they bring dinner out for 500 people. Well, they're not pulling 500 prime ribs off the or fish. No, they're sous vide it. And when it's time, they take it cut the bags open, put it on the plate. It's all perfectly held at that temperature because the equilibrium, the same thing is happening with the cannabis flower. It's at equilibrium with the space. Cool. Wow. Now, is there, cool. is there a cutoff on the Canatrol when it reaches that point or is it run indefinitely until the, whoever has it turns it off and takes the product out? Well, it run, it just holds the, the temperature and the dew point, the vapor pressure. So we've had flour in a box, for as long as two years. Um, wow. It had a little bit of oxidation, um, but it smoked amazing. The flour was still uh -huh. sticky and supple with no shake after two years in the Canatrol. Wow, huh. that's cool. So uh, 
So obviously you're controlling temperature and humidity. Uh, so what happens if I put a control in a room that gets up to 110 degrees by accident? Now it's not the box will get hot because we're not using refrigerator. There's no no compressor in the unit. It's all done with uh, solid state cooling devices. So we're not a refrigeration system. So it it is best in a room uh, in the high 70s. Um, right it's, it's trying to maintain the precise uh, conditions in the box. You did raise an interesting comment about humidity. And an interesting thing is you can't control humidity. And that's the basis of what we're doing is humidity is made of two factors. It's made of temperature and the absolute amount of water. Um, and to change humidity, you can either change the amount of water in that air or you can change the temperature of the air. Changing either of them will change the relative humidity, but there's no such thing as a dial to dial relative humidity up and down. I can change relative humidity by either changing the temperature or by the amount of moisture in the air. That's why you can have 60% relative humidity when it's 40 degrees outside. You can have 60% relative humidity when it's 90 degrees outside. An interesting thought experiment. Imagine you have a little uh, plexiglass cube, 12 by 12 by 12. You put a couple of drops of water in it and seal it. So you have an absolute amount of water in that box, and it's going to have a certain relative humidity. If you warm that box, the relative humidity goes down because warmer air can hold more water. So by warming the box, the relative humidity went down because you're expressing that air in the box can now hold more water. Mm -hmm. But you haven't changed how much water is in the box. Sure. So our technology is based on the components that make relative humidity. The components are the temperature and dew point, and the result is relative humidity. So that's why we're able to control it so precisely is we're controlling the components that make the relative humidity. Huh. Man, if you could make a machine that would control VPD in a grow room like that. Oh, All right. <laughs> Just the entire room. <laughs> yeah. We're working on it. Nice. Awesome. That's good to hear. Very cool. Well, yeah, Rudy's been battling for like <clears throat> the past week or so. Yeah. To get your environment straight. I'm listening intently. I'm in an old house and I'm struggling with RH just all over the place. So yep. getting there, getting close. Get it's, the it's, it's tough yeah. to control RH. It's impossible, basically, because you got to control the two pieces that make it up. You know, talk about yeah, a similar thing to RH would be a loan payment. All right. You have a monthly loan payment and you can't adjust the loan payment. There's nothing, no dial to turn the loan payment up or down. You can change the principal, you can change the interest, you can change the term of the loan. Any one of those three will change the loan payment, but there's no such thing as, oh, right. I want to dial up or down the loan payment. <laughs> Same thing with relative humidity. Sure, sure. That makes total sense. Nice. So uh, I, assuming that some of the technology is, you know, um, I don't know if you say not proprietary, what am I trying to say? Confidential. You know, uh, be curious about like what mechanisms you're using to control that inside, if you can talk about that. And if not, well, totally understand. It's, it's not. We have uh, two patents already granted. Nice. So that's public public knowledge, how, how it works. And we have two more pending on the technology. 
Uh, one of them should be, you know, we got pretty much green lights and then another application is in there. A little history about this. Yeah. Um, this technology was originally developed when a cheesemaker came to me and was complaining about their cheese aging room. And what's gone on is, you know, people have been making cheese for hundreds, thousands of years, but they made cheese a particular time of year in a particular region. So you made cheddar in Cheddar, England. You made Romano in Emilia Romano. And no one in Emilia Romano would think about making cheddar cheese or vice versa because of the climate and, you know, all the conditions in that area. But now people want to make any kind of cheese anywhere in the world, anywhere, anytime. anytime. Yeah. So they need to replicate those conditions. So that was the beginning of the technology was to create the environment for cheesemakers. And it's the same thing. You want you don't want the cheese in too dry a condition because it'll start to crack and overdry. You want to retain some water to that cheese so you have the right consistency and everything. So it was developed for cheese. Um, then it was adopted by uh, people who do charcuterie, salami, and prosciutto and other dried meats. Again, they have a wet product that they want to get the water out of without over drying it and get to a shelf stable product. You know, cheese is shelf stable. A good piece of salami is shelf stable. Piece of prosciutto is shelf stable. And uh, then we said, hey, will this work for a cannabis flower? Because it's the same physics. It's the same idea. You want to get that free available water out of the product to get to shelf stability and have a really high quality smokable flower. So we took the technology and put it into a small insulated box and we tested it and we gave it to a, uh, a grower with a, a caregiver's license here in Vermont. And after a couple of weeks, he said, this is some of the finest flour I have ever produced. And no, you can't have this prototype back. <laughs> And that's how we started <laughs> and wound up in cannabis. It was an interesting trip to get here. Ain't that something? That's so really is there cool. is there no other product on the market currently for cannabis like the Canatrol? No, no, nothing that uses basic, simple physics. Yeah. There's a lot of other gimmicks out there and other methods of sucking out the water. <laughs> yeah, you know? I've heard I've heard a few people refer to the Canatrol. They compare it to a a wine fridge that somebody put a fan on or something like that. Um, but earlier you said there's no compressor in there, so that debunks that right there. Yeah, that's true. What what the only resemblance is we need an insulated sealed box. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so where do you go for an insulated sealed box? That's what refrigerators and freezers are. Uh huh. Yeah. But those have temperature control. We're doing temperature control, but we don't have a compressor in there, and we're controlling the dew point, the vapor pressure in the box. Yeah. So we are starting with the carcass of a refrigerator, wine cooler, whatever, because yeah, they we look get those inexpensively. But then we put all the technology in Vermont by hands. So they're hand built wow. uh, with some pretty sophisticated technology and sensors and that's why they are the price they are is, you know, we got 15 people at our facility building these. Um, they get health benefits and, you know, they're well taken care of. We believe in, you know, our employees should make it, you know, have a good life. 
And so it reflects in the cost of the product. What is the current price point of the unit? They're 1600. Okay, cool, cool. Are and, you talking, you know, I spent more than that on my grow in the last six months. <laughs> For sure. Well, that, that's what a lot of people come back with is between what they've spent on lighting, nutrients, genetics, and everything. It's just one more piece to get some of the best results in the end. And how no, much, how no. much flour can you fit that, in one? That was my question. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It takes just over two pounds, about 2.2 pounds of wet flour goes in about a kilo. Um, and you'll produce five to seven ounces of dry flour. Um, and then after you, um, after those eight days, you just leave the product in there. It takes about four days for the water activity to come to stability. So that's why we say it's four days of dry. That's the physics of four days. We now have the free available water out of it and we're at a 0.6 water activity. But then you wanna leave it in for at least four more days to start to cure. So by eight to 10 days, you've got some really good smokable flour, but you don't take it out. You just leave it in there. That's your storage cabinet. So now you're pulling flour out 30, 60 days later, and you're really starting to experience the nuances and the, the terpene profiles. So a couple of comments we get from users. You know, we have thousands of these, we ship them all over the world, is that the flour coming out of the unit is muted. It doesn't have that bang smell that I'm used to. And what we found out is it's sealing in the terpenes. If your flour has a lot of smell, that's the terpenes being lost. They're boiling off. And what we're finding is that the flour, the terpenes are sealed in. So we'd say to someone, take that flour, crack it open, put it in a grinder. And usually the response is, that's amazing. I've never smelled something that intense and amazing. And because we're keeping the terpenes in, where do you want the terpenes? You want the terpenes when you smoke it, when you taste it, not yeah. when you're pulling it out of a bag and just letting the terpenes just float away into space. Good point. That's cool. Good yeah, point. yeah, that's awesome. Well, and uh, <clears throat> congratulations on the patent. Uh, Played around with that a little bit and I know how how hard that process i don't have one <laughs> but i know how hard that process is so really that's awesome thank yeah. you yeah um you mentioned vermont and we were talking before the show a little bit about the cannabis laws that are coming around in vermont and that got me excited when you said that there's actually an intent towards craft from like the legislative angle uh that's it's a really do you mind talking about that a little bit like uh what the atmosphere is like in vermont and what people are saying well, it, it's Vermont, which is a great place. And, you know, you've seen all the craft beer that's come out of Vermont. And the state in putting together the regs really are favoring small growers. There weren't, you know, very many large licenses. They put a cap on that. They want to keep, you know, to the small craft grower and really support that part of the market and industry. Um, and it's 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 great what's going on. I think, you know, in time, Vermont is going to be known for really good, high quality craft cannabis. But you're going to get immigrants. You're going to get people moving there from other states for sure. Oh, most yeah. definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it sounds awesome. When we were talking to Paul from Cold War Organics, and he's also from Vermont, he said that the licensing costs were going to be really low. And that sounded neat, that there's not this like incredibly 
commercial angle, like where I'm, I'm in Michigan and you got to have six figures, at least liquid just to get in the door, you know? Yeah. No, God, the, Vermont is completely different and you need to be a resident. You know, it's not like outsiders can just come in and get licenses. You, you need to be a Vermonter here to apply for a license. Um, and they're really supporting the, you know, the small craft grower, both indoor and outdoor. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You, cool. you can't beat that. <laughs> I wish more states would adopt yeah. that concept. Right. Well, I thought it was cool. You said that it comes from your the from Vermont's outlook on craft beer and that they had a similar yeah. legislation around that and kind of a push for being the place for craft beer. So it makes sense they would do it this yeah. way. I think it's super smart. Very smart. It's the way it should be. So it's, you know, I, I should I should clarify. It's the way it should be when the law is involved. Like they should yes. work with people for the best outcome. You know, so my personal opinion is that the law should not be involved, but that's moot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just heard the other day the legislature they're working on now for cultivators. So it's not a license where you can grow, but where you can propagate clones and you can start seeds and then sell them as starters. So you're not in the actual, you know, production of flour. Wow. That's cool. So that, that's, a now cool that's a real thing. horticultural, you know, yeah, that's a whole other view yeah. of, of the, of the product. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. That's going to get it. I got to research who's running that joint. <laughs> 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 Somebody's doing something right over there. I don't know. Who, right. It's the Vermont mindset. Yeah, the mindset. I love it. We need a, <laughs> can we get a Vermonter for president. Jesus. Right. That's <laughs> what I'm wondering. Where are these boys at? <laughs> Well, cool, man. Well, since, we're uh, talking, since we're talking grow, um, do yeah. you grow? Oh, sure. Yep. Okay. Well, let's talk about your setup a little bit. Are you indoors, outdoors? Well, we have, um, we were in, we did an indoor outdoor here at home. Um, and we found that uh, Vermont and the weather here grows amazing Vermont, you know, green mountains. Things yeah. are green here and the plants would grow amazing. But right at the time of harvest, the weather here can either be beautiful, dry, breezy, or rain for days and be wet. And too often, you're like two weeks away from harvest, and you run into this wet, damp weather, and that's it. You've got mold and just rot throughout. So we then modified it, and we about three weeks before harvest, we would move the plants from the pots outside, we would move the pots into like screen porches or covered to protect them from the weather. Uh, but it became uh, for us a bit of a, a, a chore and a little risk. So we then moved to tents indoors. Um, since we have uh, our facility in North Springfield, um, we have a group grow in a tent. So oh, this nice. way, everyone who works at the facility can see a plant from seed to harvest. That's cool. Uh, that cool. way, when we're talking to people on the phone, um, they whether they consume or not, they're familiar with the plant and knows what people are talking about when they're talking veg mode, flower mode, um, clones. They know the language. So we always have a pat yourself on the back. Grow. That's awesome. That's a good, that was a good one. That was a good one. Pat yourself on the back for that one. That was, yeah, that was worth it. Good job. So, is that like a community That's garden cool. for all your employees? Like, can they bring so they can bring in there and like pot some seeds and? That's cool. They can kind of. That's cool as hell. Well, how cool of a boss? Let's just talk about that. 
That's right. <laughs> Bring yep. your beans to work day. That's a live action grow along. Uh, a little a little thing though, we do select uh, cultivars that we grow that have good high terpene profiles. Oh yeah. Um, because we like to show potential customers on big commercial systems the outcome of dry cure. And so we're always, uh, it's fun going to a big corporate meeting and breaking out samples at the conference table. Snap. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Do you, so do you, you uh, go ahead, Rudy. Oh, I, I bet you've got some of your employees into growing on their own as well. They come there, see that, you know, oh, I don't, I want to try this, you know, that, that would we, be really it just recently happened. We had someone who's a, a non-consumer, but said, I'm growing seeds. I want to, I want to grow this plant. He just wants to grow, yeah, man. Having so much fun growing the plant. Cool. Said, That's just cool. Let, just let me grow. He's ready. Damn right. That's cool. Does anybody uh, mess with auto flowers or are they all like photo periods? No, all photo periods. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Get on the auto train. Yeah. I was going to say, you ought to, we ought to throw him a, a pack so he can try around. Yeah, so that's something maybe to talk about for a minute. That's a big yeah. focus of ours on this show. We're in like the autoflower community. And I noticed yeah. there's still like it's it's being known about, but there's still a disparity between the traditional photo, I'll just say cannabis community, because traditionally it's just that's just cannabis is photo, is photo periods. But uh the autos are really coming up. I mean, we getting pound, pound and a half plants, high percentage, oh, yeah. high terpene content, wow. medicinal strains. People yep. are dialing in CBD, CBG all that with these auto strains and all in, you know, generally under 90 days from seed to harvest. It's pretty incredible. I have to reinvestigate them. Yeah, you definitely do. Yeah, Yeah. it's worth it. And it would be, it would be fun to show that as well, you know, that it can, it can flower under any cycle, you know, it'll, you know, that will be a cool experiment to show everyone Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. I think, well, like there's a lot of talk right now about autos, not the, not necessarily the future of cannabis, but making an avenue of that as it becomes more and more legal, or uh, I'll just say the stereotype of like grandma can put one in her window, you know, yeah. or or maybe can throw a tent, uh, uh, a new like style LED, one of those lens lights in the corner of the living room and there's a little auto there. Um, that kind of thing uh, is really fun, but <clears throat> it's definitely being used commercially already. I see that on Instagram all over the place. You'll see facilities, you know, and they've got a 2000 plant farm going in there are auto flowers and they've dialed in the cycle and they've got breeders that are producing seeds at scale. For that process it's pretty cool to see yeah it's wild yeah the only thing really is stability and consistency so i think it's mostly for extracts at this point uh-huh. yeah yeah because <clears throat> you'd for a commercial operation you'd have to produce so many seeds that were consistent that would be i think really hard to do as yeah yeah. yeah it's not yeah because i mean yeah you can clone it but it's not worth it you know yeah, yeah that's my know. question could you clone a an autoflower and how's yeah. that work Yes and no. There's a few people that do it, but they only get it to go for a few cycles and the, the yield and the quality just drops off exponentially right away. Yeah. And it flowers like like instantly, basically. It's flowering the second that you do manage to get roots. And it just, yeah, from what I, I understand. Just, it's just a different game than photo periods and it's its own thing and people are really yeah. dialing in. So it's kind of fun. Well, Which who knows? I mean, the future, you never know. I mean, yeah. shoot, I mean, tissue culture and the way everything's looking at that. I mean, imagine what that's going to look like in 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's still to me, I mean, like I said, there's benefits to both. Like there's nothing like getting a photo period vegged into the perfect state where it's all yeah. trained and then start the flower like that. That it is ple- like it uh, is pleasing. It's yeah. it's rather pleasing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing beats that. That's for sure. 
So that's cool. What uh, what uh, you said, high terpene uh, strains, and you have some of your own cultivars. You said that you guys keep, or what do you generally grow? No, it's just a mix. You know, okay. uh, you know, the jelly bean and uh, uh, golden goat, and yeah, it's there's always something new coming up out of there. I think the headband uh, eight. Oh. Yep, that, nice. that's just about nice. in flower now. I forgot what just went into the next two pots. There's always a uh, Two in flower and two coming up in veg. Nice. That's cool, man. Golden goat. Nice. I'm doing orange gasm right now from from Irie. So um that's a, I'm really excited about that one. But I've heard good things about golden goat. Golden goat is a good fun party weed. That's like something you want to break out at a dinner party. That is so giggly. Everyone just gets the uncontrollable giggles from golden goat. Oh man, I gotta get it now. um so let's talk about the uh capacity a little bit now that's uh you say it's 16 the 1600 one um do you have multiple sizes or is this is the only size so far and that you're planning on getting bigger ones i'm just curious that that that's one of the biggest questions we get asked from the uh home grower is do you have bigger models yeah um the couple of things go on uh we did look at larger units and the cost and it really started getting a little expensive oh yeah i'm sure and then there becomes the issue of shipping it you know now you're shipping an appliance like an appliance yeah. like a refrigerator size thing which has its own set of logistic issues you know yeah. getting it delivered um but what a lot of people are finding is more small many small ones is better than one large one and the reason is um when you take down the the plant um you put it into one unit, it'll take two pounds or so of wet flour. Uh, you load it, and now when it's dry, you just leave it in there. But yeah. now you have another harvest. You know, let's say eight weeks later, you got another plant that came down. You take out what's in there, you can put it in. We've put them in sea vaults, any kind of sealed container. They can't grow mold anymore because you're at shelf stability, and you set it aside. And then you put your next flower, next plant in there, next set of flower. Uh, you give it about a week, and now it's dry. Now you can take everything that you took out and put it back in the box for your long-term storage. And then you start developing a library. What a lot of people do is they'll get brown paper sandwich bags, and they'll write on the bag the harvest date and the cultivar. And then you start accumulating these bags in the unit. So now you open the door and say, hmm, what do we feel like smoking today? We got some of this, some of that. You know, it's like going into your own, you know, dispensary, but you know the history of every flower there. Um, and you pick what you want and grab a, a flower out of the bag and grind it up. And we like only taking, think of it like ice cream. You only take out the one flower you're ready to grind because you immediately see degradation if you leave that flour out for a couple yeah. of days. So you yeah. leave the ice cream out of the refrigerator. You don't want to leave your flowers out of the box too long. So you grab what you're going to consume at that time. Um, and then you just keep building this library. So what a lot of people then wind up doing is going, ah, I'm just going to get a second box and mm-hmm. I'm going to use the first box for drying. And then when I get my next plant, I'm going to take everything out of there and put it in the second box which is where I'm doing my long-term storage. So it's like, it's, it's essentially the same concept of people keeping cigars and humidors. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I could totally uh, I could totally picture an application like in Michigan, we have this new license called a micro business where you can grow, process and vend in the same building. OK. And so that's going to be really exciting to see it come out. But I could see totally a canatrol right on the counter. Right. Then and I buy an eighth to smoke or whatever, and they take it right off the shelf. You know, there you go. Or turn that into a vending machine. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Make a game out of it. Grab your no- own nug, you know, <laughs> That'd like be a claw fun. machine, you know, like you go in there and you're like, all right, you put $5 in it, whatever you get off that first pull. <laughs> you're, you're not far off. Uh, we have large commercial growers who use that technology in rooms that are 1,000, 1,500 pounds, wet flour, multiple rooms, but they're putting our small home units, yeah. private labeled, like think of the Red Bull idea behind the counter at a dispensary. So when someone walks into that dispensary, they know how that flower was dried, cured, and was properly handled right to the point of sale at the counter at the dispensary. Sure. Wow. Yeah, this is cool. really something to be said for, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, precision. Like I, I think like sometimes we might get hung up in the home grow thing like all oh, the commercial stuff is commercial and it gets this different energy where then you don't really want to look at it but there's definitely something to be said for precision because that's what we strive for and if you can be like you know when i put this in i know it's going to be perfect i don't have to come back and like add stuff or move it around um yeah like you can just place it and forget it type thing yeah Yeah. and the idea of storing in there is great yeah so it's also not just a device that is only for that you know like uh we we have a friend of the show who makes another product for drying and uh-huh. not, like go down that rabbit hole, but I have a couple of those, but they sit when they're not drying, you know, that's right. just what they're for. So, right. yeah. Um, yeah, it's really cool. I like the idea. So I'm sorry if you guys asked this already and I missed it. Uh, You're good. Are, are there multiple sizes intended? Like, could there be like a, like a home refrigerator size one that might be a little bit more? That That's something we, you know, we looked at and the, the cost becomes too high. Uh, the logistics of shipping becomes complicated. It doesn't mean we're not going to do it down the road, but right now we're going, you know, we're sticking with the size we have where people are finding multiple small units are better than one large one because of the reason that you can use it for drying, curing, and storage. So having Mm -hmm. that versatility. When are are y'all having to buy one, get one? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Bogo, Bogo day. Yeah, no, right. No, that's cool though, man. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. So, like, really theor- theoretically, you could stack them, you yeah. know, over time, you know, say you accumulate two or three, you know, over the years, you know, you just stack them right on up. Now, how's the warranty um, with them? Is there any type of uh, service work or anything that would potentially need to be maintained or? There's uh, really no maintenance. It's a solid state the, device. You know, you want to keep it clean for your own self, you know, wipe it out every now oh, and yeah. then. Um, uh, we've had like almost zero issues. The one or two that we had was no problem. It's, you know, yeah. we get them up and running. No, we, we hand build these. We're proud of what we oh, yeah. build. We stand behind them. Yeah. You can in America. Yeah. How, how yep. big is the unit itself? Like how much, like what's the dimensions of it? Mm, or if you're explaining it to someone, what's the best? It's about 20 by 20 lift length and then about 30 inches tall. Okay. It's smaller than I thought it was. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. All right. And you say, so, and you're saying a wet trim, two pounds. 
So realistically, you're saying probably like eight or nine ounces is kind of what we're saying, like dried product. Yeah, it you know it depends on how how much how you stack trim it. going in, you know what yeah. the cultivar, how dense the flowers are. Now the way you arrange things on, I'm assuming they're like little slide out uh, yep. trays almost. Yep. There are six slide out shelves. Do you, the way you arrange that, I'm I'm assuming is is important, right? Like you would want to stack them a certain way, probably for best surface uh, area, I guess. Yeah, you just cover you cover the shelves with it. The shelves are perforated. What you don't want to do is pack it. Okay. If you pack it. It can't suck the water out fast enough. You can wind up with a bit of a moldy mess. You know, makes it's sense. Sort of like the overfilling the bathtub. <laughs> so you want to leave you want to leave space for air movement. Uh, shoulder to shoulder, but you don't yeah. want to pack them dense. And uh, you're good. And then a lot of people after a day or so might go in there and, you know, move them around, flip them around a little bit. It's not necessary. Um, and you do a rough trim going in and then uh, yeah, when it comes out, you do a final trim on it. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. So buck all the fans, big fans and stuff like that. And then kind of lay the entire stem in, I would assume. Or would you want to uh, buck the buds off? best you can you going in. Bugs off best you can off the stems because the, all the stems are doing oh. is creating more work and more water to pull out that don't sense. gain you anything um gotcha. you know what we've learned we've did a, a whole bunch of tests and we tried just flower flower on short stems flower on medium length stems nice big stems and the longer the stem the longer it takes the flower to dry and what that gives you is if you're in an imprecise world with limited control, you want a longer window of knowing when that flower is in dry. So longer stems give you more time to get to that, hey, it's time to pull it before we overdry it. When yeah. you get down to just flower, you can go from not dry enough to overdry pretty quickly. But in our unit, there's no overdry. It just holds it at the right time. So you don't have to worry about that that time window has been compressed and reduced as you would be concerned with a legacy drive and cure. So is there any controls on the Canatrol itself for the yeah. user? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can control the temperature and the dew point. And we found that a 68 degree temperature gives you some of the best flower. That's after, you know, thousands of boxes out there. Now, if you want to adjust the speed and the amount it's dry, you adjust the dew point, which basically is the vapor pressure in the box. So the lower the dew point, the lower the vapor pressure, the more water it's going to pull out of the flower to make a drier flower. Mm. All right. Now, we have a facility that does pre-rolls and they are using the unit to adjust the water content in their flour, they will tend to a little overdry it so their pre-roll machines don't get gummed up because the flour that normally comes out is so sticky and gooey. So they'll do a little bit of an overdry so their pre-roll machine can handle that flour. And then they take the pre-rolls and put it back in the unit, raise the dew point back up to the normal level, and it gives a little bit of rehydration to those pre-rolls to be perfect. Cool. Wow. Nice. That probably okay. comes down on that's runs neat. too. Because I know that's a problem with those bump boxes is they can be packed in evenly and you'll run one side all the way down the pre-roll, you know, when you light it. Uh, so balancing yeah. that moisture out probably does that too. Probably helps. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. That is neat. 
Yeah, it's interesting rolling a joint when the flour is dried in a canatrol because it's sticky. So it's almost like you lay it in just the way you want it and roll it up and it doesn't fall out the sides because it's not over dried. Damn. <laughs> the uh, the nerdy side of me is the, uh, I get fired up thinking about like just the um, the metrics so that you could like for for these larger scale grows that are dialing it in or that or breeders that are working on a cultivar mm. that they really want to lock in then in the metrics for that cultivar you can say you know ideal content at this dew point for this many days exactly this, yeah yep wow yeah precisely yeah, i didn't yeah i didn't know it could do all that that's pretty neat yeah i really it want is. one now yeah right <laughs> yeah when you set, when you get one you set one up we give you the ability to adjust the dry bulb and the dew point for the dry period and how long that is. And it slowly can slope and transition into what we call the cure mode. So you can have a separate set of uh, dry bulb and dew points, and then it can transition into what we call the standby mode if you really want to tweak it. Very cool, man. Nice. I think it's cool for our listeners to hear about like, well, to hear you, but also to hear about where you are and that you guys build these in the U.S. Because I think, uh, not to assume, but I think people might have this idea that it's just this giant company. And because it's a little pricier that, you know, that it's maybe like from China or something. I don't think people think very deeply about that. So I'm yeah. happy to have the chance for our listeners to hear that you guys, that the price point exists because you're making a really like, yeah. Uh, this company, you know, like you said, you're taking care of your employees, you know, quality control, putting everything together yourself. I'm and, happy to pay more for that. Personally. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'll be completely honest with you, man. Like having talked to you now and hearing the situation, I mean, being in America, you know, in the States doing this, I mean, you know, it reflects the price point. I mean, I kind of see it now, you know, I really do. I mean, if you think about it, you're paying, if you're buying a high quality uh, tent light for like a five by five, with LED manufacturing in this country, you're looking at a grand at least, right? So, you know, I mean, you kind of do the math on that. It kind of makes sense. Like, I mean, you're already spending that much on a light, you know, y'all. Like, I'm kind of looking at it differently for sure now. Um, yeah, because, like, for some reason, you know, I was under the same mindset. You know, I, I really thought that y'all were this huge company, you know. I don't know why. I just, you know, because of the technology, I guess, you just automatically go there thinking that it's for, you know, big cannabis. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it has the, yeah, <laughs> not the vibe of big cannabis, but maybe that's what it hits on in people. Yeah, it, I think it tickles that spot and then you just instantly shut it like, yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad we could at least get that out into the community. I mean, I think that's pretty badass, dude. Like, How yeah. long have y'all been making these things? Because I've only started hearing about Canistrol like maybe the past year, maybe? Yeah, we've been building them for about three years now, just a little over three years that we've been making them. I mean, we're in we're in a building now. Uh, we're in a oh, what is the building? A Ten thousand square foot building, and we're in there now. Eighteen months, January, a year and a half ago, we moved into it. Prior to that, we were building them in a garage. Wow! wow. Cool. Well, good for y'all. I mean, shoot, it's working. I mean, there's definitely a hell of a following. I mean, you definitely have a bunch of people rocking that all across the place. I mean, there's quite a few facilities. <laughs> yeah. Different. Yeah. 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 And we, well, you know, we, you called, we answered the phone. 
There's oh, no yeah. automatic anything. We're we're Monday through Friday, eight to four. We had this. Someone's going to answer the phone, and there's yeah. someone who can talk about, you know, drying, curing, and if you want to get into the nutrients you're using, there's usually someone there who will get yeah. into the discussion about that as well. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, that's I too cool. Be a dead horse, but the fact that you got, like how cool that you have your employees into growing and sharing that experience, I think that's super huge. I think it's really really cool because um, we know. Like everybody that grows knows that growing is a spiritual experience also. Oh, yeah. Like, so when you're combining that with your day-to-day -day work, that's really cool because you can enrich that experience and make people not feel like they're in a slog, you know? Yeah. Really yeah. I like it. That's real important to us. And, you know, in its own way, it's helping with the stigma too because like you got these people who could, you know, get a bunch of younger people, maybe generation in there working and they're able to, you know, this is normal to them. Like this is, and it's spreading that around, you know, and teaching other people around them, you know, it's, so it's good all around for everyone. So that's, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Very cool. I'm trying to think of what else to ask about the tech. I'm so I'm, it looks like on your website it says a water cup and sponge. Yes. Is that how you control rehydrate. the humidity? Oh, no, okay. That's how we rehydrate. So what happens is when you don't need that wet sponge and cup when you put wet flour in there. But as soon as that flour dries, if you're in a dry environment, the winter in New England, or maybe you're in uh, New Mexico, the high desert, when you open the door the vapor pressure outside and inside the box instantly going to come to equilibrium. And so now the box is full of dry air. Well, when you close the door, you don't want to rehydrate the box from your flour. So we put a sponge in there that you keep wet. And so that rehydrates the box after you've opened the door during a dry period, dry time of year, or in a dry climate. In our big commercial systems, we include a steam humidifier which puts sterile steam into the space. We don't use misters or atomizers. We could dispense minerals or contaminants that are in the water, but we use sterile steam for the big commercial systems. But for the small unit, a little sponge that you keep wet is all that's needed. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and you know, depending on how the weather, the time of year, how often the door is open, you know, you might have to put a little water on the sponge once a week, once every two weeks. Um, if the sponge gets too dry, there's a little warning that comes up on the screen that says add water. But Thank we you. like to think of that add water warning, sort of like the oil light in your car. You don't wait until the oil light comes on to add oil. <laughs> so <laughs> what you like to do is periodically check the sponge and make sure it's damp or a little wet and not wait for the uh, add water light to come up on the display. But nonetheless, thank you for the light. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that totally makes sense about it being, you know, in different climates and, and different areas and stuff. And good to know about the room, but um, the ambient room temp, seven, uh, you said it's high 70s is not bad. Like yes. that's not unattainable, I think, for most people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, no, that's house at like 70 is that so i need to get in a warmer area is that what you're saying or that's no, no, about right that's fine oh, that's you just good. don't want it in too warm a space like oh. the last thing you want to do is have it in, in a garage that's at 90 yeah. degrees you know not good right yeah, yeah. understood understood okay cool <laughs> now could somebody can you use this to dry like hash yes <laughs> you can't, that, 
<laughs> really? <laughs> We've gotten amazing reports about the outcome of hash that people absolutely love the hash that it turns out. What? Wow. Well, it yep. makes sense. All right. Especially what All you right. said about locking in the terpenes. You're going to lock that into the into the heads, you know, while they're while they're drying. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know a lot about uh, using it for hash. We only hear back from people who have used it for hash and said it works great. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. And on the price point, you beat out a freeze dryer. So there you go. That's true. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that is true mm -hmm. you know no that's awesome to hear anyone who's used this not dry hash please hit me up i'm curious about, yeah, we, about it so it's uh all the little details are cool like but a lot of our uh, audience are home craft growers but like you know heady nerds about it and so we're all trying to be like better at our own operations here at home for our own medicine so Hell it's yeah really yeah. cool and the dry and cure is so important. You know, you're talking about a light and you can spend $500 for a light and $1,000 for a light. And, you know, there is going to be a difference in the plant, but at the end, the biggest impact you have on the final smokable flower happens during the dry cure. Oh yeah. That's where you can, you know, everyone here has seen it go really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Totally. We we may have talked about this earlier, but have you guys had like lab testing done of like hang dried compared to dried in the canistrol? That that's where I said we did some testing uh -huh. on the time that it takes to dry. So the out the final outcome is no different, but what changes is the amount of time it takes to dry it because we're pulling water out of stems that doesn't serve any purpose other than takes more time more energy to get that water out so that everything comes to that you know 0.6 water activity and equalizes mm -hmm. but you didn't see any loss of like terpenes or anything like that no in the testing. It's, nothing, it's 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 in the trichomes it's in the flower there's really not anything you know of that kind of value in the stem yeah what uh might somebody want to use stems in the canatrol if they're playing around experimenting sure. with Increasing the duration. Oh, people play, do plenty of yeah with stems, and they've done hanging instead of laying it in there, and have come up with all kinds of you know. But you maximize the uh, the capacity of the box with trimmed flower versus once you start on stems, there's a lot of wasted airspace between the flower. But yeah, it makes wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, I I just recently got lucky with a hang dry, hung up a handful of plants, and left town for two months. <laughs> so I had a little fan going at top, you know, going out, and then I came back, and fortunately they were they were good. It's actually been some of the some of the better bud that I've dried myself, and I think it's just because it sat for so long on the plant, it was in a good space. But I, I knock on wood, I got lucky with that one. And the weather was right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably had just the right weather during that yeah. period of time. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I you know I do some seminars and. um you know, I show the alarm clock, the broken alarm clock, which is, uh, you know, still correct twice a day. Well, yeah. th same thing when you dry and cure twice a year, you're going to hit good results. You know, typically in the fall um, and in the spring, there's a period of time where the dew point, the moisture in the air, the temperatures are, you know, really good for drying. And you can hit some amazing 
uh, dry cure flower naturally during those periods of time of year. There are other regions in the country that they just struggle year round. You know, rarely you're going to hit that kind of uh, climate conditions in Florida. Um, you know, in the high desert, New Mexico, Colorado, where it's it's dry most of the year. Those are areas that struggle. And then we find, you know, uh, mid Atlantic, they struggle with humidity. Um, so different regions of the country uh, excel because of the different reasons of what their weather conditions are year round. Yep, 100%. Yeah, it makes me think of like, uh, so I was in the Southwest recently and checked on the humidity because it felt really dry one day. It was 8%. Uh huh. Which <laughs> is like, wow healthy you know this is crazy and if you and if you looked at a uh, weather chart and calculated that to the dew point you would be blown away it was probably like a 20 degree dew point or something <laughs> yeah like, wow, that's amazing dew point man yep. unreal yep. so when when you guys are selling these things i'm assuming they're not made to order correct like you guys have a you have a bunch of them loaded up and everything like that. Have we, you ever gotten to where like to. you can't keep up with all the orders? We we have almost perpetually been in the can't keep up with orders. And the reason is we've been hit oh, oh so many times with the whole supply chain issue from the pandemic. We uh -huh. use chips, you know, the microprocessor chips, you know, $2 little IC that's, you know, two bucks. And then you go to order more and they go, oh, we're out of stock, but we'll have them in 52 weeks. And you're Jeez. like, no, we can't wait 52 weeks for that part. So now you're scrambling to find something else that's in stock that can oh serve goodness. that purpose. So we've been playing whack-a-mole all this time. And wow. we ran out of one of the components a week ago. So this week we're building all the other parts and bits and pieces, but we can't ship one until every part is in. Yeah. So right now we're behind about three weeks, but what we're in a position now is we've got enough inventory that we're going to do our best to fulfill every order when those parts come in in two weeks and then actually catch up and have something on the shelf. Wow. That's, that's oh. our objective, but that's um, the goal. That's the cool. Nice. But you guys have high standards. I mean, three weeks is not bad. Jeez, waited three weeks for so many things. I couldn't tell you. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's not bad. So, but it sounds like you're still, you know, keeping up with everything. That's really cool. And congratulations on making it through all the lockdowns and the supply chain stuff. I mean that that gave everybody a run for their money, right? As far as business goes, yeah. Uh, it right. was, it's it was terrible. It was like every day waking up to whack a mole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you guys probably got started right around the same time as the pandemic. We did. We we were building, oh, one or two boxes at a time in the garage in my house the day the lockdown started. I remember that vividly. Damn. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? We're stuck in the house. Well, we can build some boxes while we're here. Yeah. <laughs> and fortunately, UPS was considered, you know, an essential service. So we were still able to ship stuff. So, yeah. So in three years, you guys have gone from the garage to doing commercial facilities, or was that something, a line of work you had done before that? Well, it's interesting that 
our original intent was commercial facilities because we were doing commercial cheese and meat facilities. Huh. So our scale was always large commercial. Um, but we knew that no one was going to give us a 2000 square foot um, dry room for us to play with our technology. So we had to build a proof of concept and we did a small unit and that's where the cool cure came from that originated with, Oh, let's test this to see if it's going to work. And then once we proved that, yes, now we're in large commercial facilities all over the country, uh, rooms from a couple of hundred pounds, uh, on the large side, they typically run a thousand to 1500 pounds of wet flour. And the reason for that is typically that's the amount of staff a facility will have that they can take down in a day. That's a lot of work to get, you yeah. know, 1500 pounds down in a day, but yeah. then they'll have, you know, four or five rooms. So they'll have, you know, a thousand pounds in room one on Monday and a thousand pounds in room two on Tuesday and, and so forth. And, and that's crazy. Through it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing to see the big facilities. And then we do kits for the small grows, um, a small kit, uh, takes about 160 to 180 uh, wet pounds of flour, and we ship it on two four by ten pallets. And you build it with a 516 spin tight and a little Allen head key, and you put the room up in about four hours. You bring power and water to it, and away you go. How much does that run? Yeah, what? That's uh, forty eight thousand dollars. It takes about that takes that 160 to 180 wet pounds. Uh, if you turn that room a couple of times a year, uh, it pays for itself. Yeah, uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah well, we're seeing a lot of uh, you know large facilities they over dry the flour, and so if you can pick up 10% on weight uh, by not over drying, that represents 10% on your top line sales. Because you sunk all your labor costs, all your energy costs, all your nutrients, your genetics, that's already baked into the flour. So if you don't over dry it, that's uh, money in the pocket. Yeah. 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 yeah and it, that's cool. I could see like uh, medical caregivers and their small facilities using that size for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's finding its niche. And we're also seeing uh, commercial cultivators while you know, there tends to be a race to the bottom with some large facilities who can make the most, the cheapest, and there's no interest in quality. We're finding uh, these mid-tier growers who do have an actual interest in the flower, in what they're doing, and they're putting in these uh, smaller kits and mid-sized systems, and now they're able to sell a craft product. Uh, once the consumer sees a product that comes out of a properly dry cure, they keep coming back for more. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, the, I think the community at large is really getting sick of the quality of flour that's coming out of the commercial market, you know, so anything that we can do to improve it, please go wild. <laughs> we, we, we were just recently at a, uh, a show out in uh, New Mexico and one of the guys uh, that works with us, um, he had his Canatrol hat on and he was, online at a Starbucks counter at the uh, hotel lobby. And the barista said to him, oh, you're in cannabis? Well, if you want some of the best cannabis that's in town, you got to go to this dispensary. And he just smiled because that's one of our customers. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. Nice. Like, yep, they have a reputation for good flour. That's cool. 
<clears throat> that's cool that you have that that eye on uh distinct quality for sure that, that's uh, what we're about trying to yeah. help people out absolutely and, yeah the and the dry and cure process is like probably the most crucial part of growing oh yeah you know yeah. because if you mess up mess that well, up and everything and, you've done the past however many days or weeks is down the train and that's why i brought up you know the grow light you know like it's it's nothing to see something that's in that price range you know what i mean like and for good american stuff you know and yeah supporting your fellow americans too you know yeah i think that i mean that's a great and point. Make, we harp it, on that you know buying american-made stuff we need to do more of that where we can yeah i mean now obviously that's a lot of money for some home growers and that's understandable and that's fine but like that's also something that some people can attain to be or to you know to to incorporate or to try you know and i think I definitely think uh, it's cool as hell that you've you've created the product and that you were, uh, you know, you're doing it here. I think it's great. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Good you. For you, you man. Offer uh, veteran discounts. Oh yeah. Very cool. You yeah. want to talk about that That's for a minute? So That's like, it's people... on the website. I forget what the exact amount is, but there's a little thing they pop up and they put a number in to qualify, and it instantly happens on the website. And mm. then for those that find it, you know, a little bit out of their range. We're seeing a couple of things happen around the country. We're getting clubs that get together and, you know, four people might pool together and share it. Um, and then yeah. we're also seeing some enterprising people rent them. Yeah. See, there you go. Oh, Genius. Wow. That's an idea right there. Y'all somebody out there. It's an investment at that point. Yeah, it totally is. Like that's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> We had we had like uh, just barely touched on earlier that you might be yeah. working on a VPD control unit for a grow space. Is there? A, you probably imagine you can't talk about it yet, but like when can we? You know, in the next year, maybe. Here's some Four, news. Yeah, let, let let let's hook up in about six months to twelve months, and we'll okay. have awesome. something to talk about. All awesome. right, that's a date. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. cool. Yeah, that's I, I, VPD has been my fucking dreams lately it's <laughs> it's been a slog with that yeah um so yeah i'm gonna make one for clones one for clones that? in particular in particular oh yeah like a cloner where you could control yeah, that just space. like yeah. yeah just make yeah. something specifically for controlling a clone's environment yep that'd be fun <laughs> i'm just throwing it out there good idea <laughs> wink wink yeah. <laughs> well, uh, David, man, we appreciate your time. Uh, really, thanks for joining us and uh, talking about this. And we're happy to have the chance to always turn people onto new technology and new ways of doing things better. Yeah. And then bridging that gap between what people might have thought about Canatrol and what you what you actually are, that you guys are a real company, you're down to earth, that yeah. you're in quality control. Everything is great. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's a solid option, you know, for, and it's definitely something I could see myself happen a couple of them for sure in the future. <laughs> Hell yeah. 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 You yep. know, and I like the idea of stacking them. I think that's really cool. Yep. Cool premise. Yeah. Yep. And just being able to like stow them away. I mean, that's, that's awesome, man. So yeah. yeah you I'm, just put I'm, them right in that closet behind you. Shut the door and forget about them. <laughs> right. Right. Just forget about it. But, uh, it's hard to forget about it when you have all that good flour sitting there waiting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just nice. That's too many times. It's pretty cool though, man. It is being able to have some 
you know, something small like that, that's still able to do something so incredible. So that's hats off to you for that. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks Very for having cool. me. This is great. And Hey, yeah, any man. questions, just pick up the phone and call us, um, you know, yeah. social media us. We're around. We're real. Yeah. And, uh, love talking to people. Well, we'll put that all in the, uh, in the episode description. Oh, yeah. people can and see. the best way to get a hold, hold of you, like if, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you right now, or email, or just uh, call, just call just right call us up. Really? Call okay, us cool. up. Yeah, my phone number's on our website. We got an inquiry at canatrolls.com on that, our website. And the website's canatrolls.com. Canatrolls.com. Yeah, with an S. Cool. All right. All right, dude. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, brother. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. Absolutely. And uh, great night. Yeah. yeah, enjoy the spring there in Vermont. And oh, yeah. We'll talk to you again in about six oh. And all that freedom, too. Enjoy that as well. Yeah. Thank you. See you, buddy. Thank you for listening to Crafting Cannabis. Follow us on Instagram at Crafting Cannabis Podcast. Or visit our website at craftingcannabispodcast.com.